Welcome to God's Watchmen. Tonight we have another special guest. She is a wife, a mother, and also she is the children's ministry director here at the church. Um, we're sitting down to hear God's story through her life and to see how the Lord is always there. So welcome, Susan. Thank you. Uh, I got a quick little story of when I met Susan. I met her almost two years ago in U-Turn and she used to have her house open for projects where she would bring people to help paint or do yard work. I don't know. And I always heard, there's this girl that raises rabbits and she kills them and then they feed them to us. And I said, what? What do you mean? And they were making this big ordeal out of it. Like, and I was like, I grew up hunting. So rabbit to me is not gross. And all these people are like, dude, it's the rabbit lady. And I met Jesse one day, her daughter. And she's like, we fed the guys rabbit soup, and they didn't even know. <laughs> so, that's I didn't little... get any rabbit soup when I was in U-turn. Yeah, well, you were too late. Oh, man. <laughs> You'll just have to come over sometime. Yeah. Hey, I'm down. Yeah. So, uh, Susan, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Some things that you enjoy, like hobbies you may have, or any hidden talents that you may have. Sure. So uh, you already gave one of them away, which is uh, we raise rabbits. Mm -hmm. And that sort of started as a COVID project. Um, oh, really? Mm -hmm. So we started that during the shutdown. And it was intended for multiple purposes. Um, I really don't like plucking chickens. So when I found out that people raise rabbits for meat, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is perfect. Hmm. Um it's much easier than dealing with feathers. And so um, it was something that we looked into. Yeah. And then it became a 4-H project for my daughter. So she pretty much takes care of all of the rabbits now, um, handles the breeding and decides, um, you know, timeline for fairs and shows and different things that we need. And Does she still not give them names? Um, no. So all of our breeders have names. Okay. They're, they're all pets pretty much. Uh, and then it, all of the babies. You eat. Those are, well, no, we don't necessarily, <laughs> we don't necessarily <laughs> eat all of them. Oh. <laughs> um, it, like there's a lot. So it, the, the saying about rabbits is true. There's always a lot of babies. Yeah. Um, so we have multiple ways that we can okay. move them out of our property, but, um, yeah, so she doesn't name any of those. Yeah, because I asked her one time and she says, I don't name any of them. No. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, but there are some really cute babies. So yeah. it, it that is, you know, th th that's the tough part. And don't you also col collect like different kinds of herbs and stuff too? I do. So um, I'm pretty passionate about holistic wellness and um, <sighs> just learning... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know this. I like this. They're um, good. Yeah. Um, just so we've had some health challenges in our family and uh, really haven't had a lot of success through mainstream medicine. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just sort of took it upon myself to start researching and finding different things. And through that, um, got into herbs and essential oils, of course. Um and then, you know, really just nutrition and understanding how God created our bodies with so many healing mechanisms and systems. Yeah. So if we can nourish that, um, it's really this incredible machine. Uh, it, it just blows my mind. Like we'll never understand all of the things that God put in place in our body. And so, um, yeah, that's how I got involved and interested in that. What what's like the uh, the number one herb or or supplement that you think like always surprises people? That's like super uh, helpful or powerful. Like, what is a good like? <laughs> you expose people to this and they're like, whoa. Um, what well, kind of depends who you're talking to? Right, you're um, going to wow me on every one because <laughs> I know nothing. Um. I would say probably dandelion is one of the big ones that people are like, what? Yeah, Whoa. what do you use dandelions for? Um, so dandelion is great for inflammation. Um, mm -hmm. So the entire plant is edible. The roots are actually loaded with antioxidants and really good stuff for you. I've heard of dandelion tea and that's about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so our, our grandparents 
um, probably a lot of our grandparents made dandelion tea. They'd make, um, I think it was a dandelion dressing for for salads and things. Um, yeah. It was really common. And I mean, we have them everywhere. So, and we didn't have the, pesti- pest- the, the pesticide use back then either. So, um, yeah, it's just something that, that is really, I mean, it's prolific. It's everywhere and it's really good for you. Correct. Hold on. Correct me if I'm wrong. You had, I asked you about all these herbs that you had in your mason jars. You, I think you had like lavender in there too. Mm-hmm. And I think you said, God gave me, gave us a backyard for a reason. Everything that we need to be healed is grown in the backyard. And you started going through all these different things. So. Yeah, so maybe not everything, but um, there's but there's a lot, and there's a verse, and I I'm terrible at addresses, but there's um, a verse somewhere that says about God giving us the plants for healing and mm. nourishment, um, <clears throat> and that's true. Like there's there's so much power in plants. Um, I'm just learning about one. It's called moringa, and it it grows in Asia, um, and it's one of the most nutrient dense plants that they've found on earth. And it's crazy. It has like 92 different nutrients in it. Wow. So it's, you know, the more we learn, the more we know, obviously, but um, it's, it's just crazy. There's so much to know. What, what is like an overpopulized one that like everyone knows about and you're like, that's nothing compared to like, is there something out there that people like go crazy about, but it's not really all that impressive compared to something else. I don't, maybe, I don't think I really have run into that just because not too many people really deal with plants. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's kind of a lonely world. (laughs) Holistic nutrition and and wellness is not very mainstream and it's kind of hard. Um, It's hard to sort through some of the information. So, Um, I don't know. I mean, lavender is super common, Mm -hmm. but it is a, it's a great plant. (laughs) So (laughs) gotcha. You can't go wrong. That's fine. No, I mean, it's great just for like general enjoyment because it smells great and it's awesome in a bath or, you know, just for fragrance around your home, but it's also calming and, you know, Mm. so it's probably one of the most widely used ones, which is also maybe partly because of essential oils because they've, you know, essential oils are huge now. Um, But it is, it's a great plant. So you said you had health issues in your family. So Mm -hmm. you started looking into that stuff. Obviously you still use it. So it has been working in your guys' life. Like what were some of the health issues that maybe mainstream medicine wasn't helping in this stuff? Well, natural things helped. Can you go through that? Yeah. So um, my husband has some autoimmune issues. Okay. And um, there's a lot of um, advancement in the mainstream medicine world for autoimmune issues. But what we were finding is that it was just covering up the problems and we weren't actually finding a solution to anything. So he'd feel a little bit better for a little while and then would start to sort of regress and get back to um, where he was. So what we started doing was just basically an elimination diet, you know, looking at the foods that we were eating and trying to decide was something triggering reactions or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So we found some triggers and then we eliminated that. And then we started to realize that if we could add more of the really good things that his energy would come up that, you know, he wouldn't feel so tired or he would sleep better, which would help his energy. And so there, you know, there are lots of different pieces to it, but uh, then my daughter ended up with a really bad case of Lyme disease. And so God pulled it all together and it was really a huge blessing. We found her dairy allergy and the Lyme at the same time. And probably because we were doing some work with food is what brought the Lyme to light. And so, Mm. uh, I mean, God's timing is just amazing. And had that all not been right at the same time, she could have ended up really sick because we, you know, wouldn't have found the Lyme necessarily. We may have, but... Um, you know, maybe not. So that ended up being a huge blessing. And so we went sort of 
all in on treatment for that. We did, you know, mainstream antibiotics, um, just a heavy, heavy antibiotics, but then use the holistic side to nourish her body. So, you know, we, we had the, the mainstream medicine side killing off the bad stuff and then the holistic side trying to build it back up to support her immune system. Huh. How, how old was she when that happened? Uh, I think she was seven, seven, I think. Okay. Yeah. Huh. So uh, does Lyme disease affect different people? Cause I always thought when you got Lyme disease, like that makes people, if they have it for a while, they end up like paralyzed. They can. Yeah. Or is that just, I, cause I've heard of two people that I know that got Lyme disease and they were practically paralyzed, but I guess that don't happen for. So it really depends if you find it early. And so we're hoping that because of the dairy causing this massive flare up, I mean, you wouldn't have even recognized her. She was just covered in a rash and it started out um, kind of like raccoon eyes Yeah. and then just spread over her whole body. It was crazy. Um, but if you can catch it early enough, yeah. it's at least believed at this point that you can kill it off enough to at least send it in a dor- into dormancy. Um, there's some speculation that it never actually goes away completely. Yeah. And then uh, there's other cases where n- nobody knows that they even have it and it lies dormant for many years. It causes all sorts of underlying issues and then it comes out in those really massive chronic hmm, wow. problems. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's a horrible... Is a horrible disease. Yeah, I, I, they deny you to go into the military with it. I believe if you have Lyme disease, could be. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. Tell us about your family and how you spend time with your daughter and your husband. Yeah, so um, I'm married. My husband John and um, my two kids. Jessie. How long? Uh, darn, you had to ask me that, didn't you? Oh, we did this to Miles too. <laughs> uh. Um. It'll be 14 years this July. Sweet. Yeah. 14 years. Uh, And so we have dogs. We currently have three. And um, they kind of (laughs) rotate. So uh, I I do some dog training on the side. So we have, you know, dogs kind of coming and going all the time. And uh, we like to camp. And I am working on a garden, though I don't really like it. (laughs) I'm trying to like it. I want to like gardening, so... Uh, Whose idea? Uh, it's actually mine. Yeah, uh, okay. it's mine. Um, John tells me I can quit at any time because, <laughs> because he knows how, how I don't love it, but... Um, What's Jesse think? Uh, she, she doesn't care. She loves to eat the fruits of the garden. Ah, yes. of course. So her favorite is the strawberries and, and the tomatoes. She'll go out and just grab a tomato off the vine and eat just it. chomp into it, so... Right. Um, I'm sure. And there's nothing like vine ripe tomatoes. So, uh, yeah. And we like to camp. Um, I crochet some on the side and that's kind of it. We just sort of, we're busy. Um, uh, so I homeschool Jesse and that takes up a lot of our time. We end up, you know, running. Most of what we do is experiences and things for her, um, which of course, you know, also makes it experiences for me, but um, the homeschooling as a word is sort of an oxymoron because we're hardly ever home. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but you give her real life scenarios and um, I'm sure you obviously teach her the Bible. Yeah. And, and I know I wasn't homeschooled, but I know with talking with you, you have said you try to get Jesse out there to see what the world's like. I mean, not to expose her to things, but to be like, hey, this stuff's real. Pray for these people. Yeah. As she's around, you turn, guys. Yep. And she's, what, 12 now? 11. 11. 11. Mm-hmm. And some people can think that's shocking, but, I mean, she hears these people's stories that they're on, on drugs, on alcohol. Yep. But I've also heard her pray for these people, and so she has. She has blessed me in so many ways, and she has a a compassion that 
I long for sometimes. Mm. You know, the scripture talks about having childlike faith, but um, there's there's just something about a child. And when we can expose them to <clears throat> real life and help them to see people as people and not just um, a situation or mm-hmm. a mistake or uh, circumstance, then it creates this true empathy where it's not just, oh, I'm sorry for that person. Yeah. It's, you know, wow, that person must really have had a, a really difficult time in that. And so it, it creates this depth where she's able to almost minister to people that are so much different and so much older. And oh. it's just, it it shows me who I want to be through my mm. child, which is just mind-blowing. God, God's great. <laughs> Yeah. To, to show that to you because I can tell you I've seen people just light up that this little girl wants to hey uh, what do you like to do oh yeah and she just talks with them and doesn't look at them as how they were before they came here as you know me oh the world hates you I'm a drug addict I'm an alcoholic nobody wants to talk to me they want to stay away because they know the things I've done, but you got a little, I don't care. She doesn't care. She wants to hang out, talk, have fun, play games, talk about her dogs. Yeah. Killing rabbits and eating <laughs> them. But. Well, I remember one time, um, I think it was shortly after you had been through our home and um, there was this one man who, he he, he has a special place Um in our heart. But um, this one man came out of like really intense gang history, mm. um, loads and loads of drugs, like died multiple times. Um, yeah. And definitely not someone that most people would even want their child near. E- even just looking at, at this man, yeah. like, people would pull their kids to the other side of the street kind of thing. And I remember he was a, a wonderful uh, writer he he could calligraphy. Oh, uh, yeah. And yeah. Um, so he and Jesse loves drawing and art and, and just very creatively minded. Um, and so they sat at my dining room table and he wrote scripture for her on a chalkboard and drew flowers and vines around it. And it was the most incredible experience because this man who looks like the hardest person in the whole world was just so soft with her and it was just really really neat he has a big heart yeah 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 he he loved your family Mm -hmm. yeah that's awesome how how'd you guys find your way to calvary chapel um (laughs) <laughs> the radio station <laughs> oh really oh. yeah so uh we my my family and my mom and dad had been attending a church um for five or six years and i really started to feel convicted over some of the things that they were preaching um and i i was desperate to find out who the holy spirit was so what they were preaching um claimed to be verse by verse but then you started to find some some holes you know some things where uh they'd sort of glaze over it um things specifically that would talk about like spiritual gifts and things like that um if you would question them they're like oh well that was only for the apostles and you know none of that exists anymore um and so their explanation for who the holy spirit was or is um is that he's to teach us scripture and that's it. Hmm. Uh, and so I just, the more I read um, and was in the word, the more convicted I came, I became over this. I was like, this, this, that's not what scripture says. Yeah. Um, and so God just really laid it on my heart. Like it was time to go. I was in this church every morning I was in this church, I would leave angry. <laughs> and I was like, there is something seriously wrong here. If I'm leaving here angry, because of what they preached from the pulpit, um, you know, something's wrong. So yeah, um, we just, John and the kids and I left at first and kind of church hopped and didn't really find anything we were looking for. 
so about the time we we attended one for a couple of months and we were like it's more entertainment and fluff than what we're looking for so uh around that time my dad said hey you know i've been listening to this guy on the radio i want to go see what he's like um so we came in here and another total Uh god thing um we walked in it was i think mid-august and Pastor Tom was finishing up Galatians, and he did this three-part series on the Holy Spirit, and we walked in on the first Sunday of that series. <laughs> nice. Just for you. <laughs> just for me. And oh. at the the very end of the last, um, the last uh, sermon in the series, he said, I've never taught on the Holy Spirit like this, and I don't think I ever will again. And I sobbed. <laughs> That's... It, it literally felt like God did that exactly for me. He, he most definitely did. Uh, I have so many stories <laughs> about the teachings here, but that's just really being in tune with the Holy Spirit, wanting to learn and to be hungry and thirsty for the Word. Uh, I know I just came back from the pastor's conference for, for three days, okay. the East Coast Pastor's Conference, and I deal with worries and doubts Mm -hmm. and i can get my anxiety all messed up me too and for a couple days this verse has been speaking to me to and it is uh john 14 1 don't let your hearts be troubled trust in god and trust also in me Mm -hmm. so that's something that i would repeat in my mind over and over and this pastor's conference was powerful they're talking about the power of the holy spirit living a spirit-led life Mm -hmm. doing these things going out putting your faith in action and standing firm and and teaching the word you know these strong men godly men yeah and i'm all fired up and i'm like that's awesome but when i get like that then doubt creeps into my Mm -hmm. mind because i uh, the pride in my life of oh i can do this because i'm smart or so-called think i'm smart and today, this morning, I woke up, and there's an app on my phone, and it was the verse of the day at the right time, at the right moment. Because last night, we we came the it ended yesterday, and all on the ride home was that verse was speaking to me, speaking to me, speaking wow. to me. So when I woke up, got into the Word, and then went to my phone to check the Bible app because that's yeah. what I do. I check that Bible app that I get, and then an email comes through. Nice and. When God don't speak through them all the time because I could run to it, but there are times that he does, and that's yep. hit me, and it was it was awesome. That's so neat. Yeah. So so you found the church through the radio station, mm-hmm. and then came here, got just kind of what you needed, and then you were hooked. Yeah, and I remember, so I grew up 20 minutes from here. Like I've, I've, I mean, I left for a little while and then came back and I've never really spent much time in Lebanon. And so to be totally honest, the thought of coming to a church in Lebanon, I was like, why why would we do that? Like there's nothing in Lebanon. Mm. Um, Little did I know, right? (laughs) Like there's so much in Lebanon, but um, we came in and the first impression that I got was this is what a church is supposed to be. Mm. Um, I remember there was a man who used to, I haven't seen him in a while, but um, he used to come in all the time. He had a bandana and, um, you know, a couple face tattoos. And he he didn't look intimidating at all in this environment, um, but you could see maybe prior times in his life, he definitely could have been intimidating. Yeah. but I walked in and he and an older couple were standing in the aisle and they were talking like they were old friends. And it was that contrast that was like, wait a minute, this is what church is supposed to be. That love. Love. Like that they were compassion. They were laughing. They were obviously connected and, mm. you know, had a relationship. And so it was really awesome because that is what church is supposed to be. United. Right. Like we are supposed to be 
connected to one another. There's God calls us to be in fellowship. Um, and so I think about Jesus and the Samaritans, right? Like he was always going to those people that his quote unquote, the Jew, you know, the Jews, the followers, whatever, they, they didn't expect him to go to. And mm-hmm. so seeing that contrast was just like, aha, <laughs> like <laughs> I've arrived it kind of. Drew you in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's been one of the biggest blessings of being here is, you know, helping with the U-turn guys and um, meeting the women in the women's shelter. And I don't really know the U-turn women very well, but, um, you know, just hearing stories and building relationships, it's, there's nothing better. It's just amazing. And God works. We got the warehouse. Yeah. So we're going on a DR trip and we were praying specifically for... Little kids' shoes, Crocs. Okay. We just got a text, what, an hour ago? Yep. Guess what game in the warehouse? Kids' Crocs. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah, so that's... God is so good. He's... When I, when you explaining about Calvary, it's the same thing that... I didn't really know anything about the church. I was like, I'm an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. Nobody wants me in a church. Yeah. I come to this program, and you turn, and I show up to Calvary... And I was like, wow, these people love. I these people love. These people care. And that's really what drew drew me in was love because I lived a life thinking I wasn't loved. Yeah. After coming to the church and seeing that love, how did you get into kids ministry then? How did that whole <laughs> And for uh, people God. that don't know, Susan <laughs> runs the the kids ministry here at the church. Here. Yeah. Yeah. So um God. <laughs> there's there's no other explanation. Um, so I, I started, it was like four months after we started coming here, I started volunteering uh, with Awana on Wednesday nights. And about a month into it, I was approached about taking over the program. Uh, Boom. Wow. Yeah. So um, I agreed and started out taking over just the Wednesday night program. And the current children's ministry director at that time, uh, we kind of became partners. So it was more of um, like I kind of, I guess I sort of inserted myself into an assistant, <laughs> an assistant position, um, just because she and I got along really well, and so yeah. it was just a great working relationship. And um, then she got to the point where she knew that she needed to reprioritize and focus on some other things, and so then that's kind of I just sort of fell into the directorship position. Now I now I see why you're so. Uh, you sign up, jump right in. <laughs> Jump right in. There's no way. There's no better way to learn. Yep. Just get Just in and get in. involved. Yeah. yeah. Now, how long have you been doing that? Um, I think that was three. I I don't know honestly. Okay. <laughs> I think so. I've been the children's ministry director. I think for like a year and a half. Um, and then I think it was like a year and a half prior to that that right. I was in Atlanta. So okay. I think like three years. Okay. Yeah. Talking about children. Mm-hmm. What was your childhood like? And how did you come to Christ? If you want to share all that, like, however you want to share. Okay. So that's like your testimony, I guess, bringing you up, bringing you up to Calvary, to the where we're talking about now. Okay. Well, that's a lot. Well, um, <laughs> whatever, you know, you want to share. I'll try so. to, I'll try to make it short. Did you um, grow up in a Christian household or? I did. So um, I grew up. <clears throat> in a very traditional type church. Um, it was church of the brethren and, um, we went to church pretty regularly and I can't honestly say that I remember ever hearing the actual gospel. Um, Mm. I remember hearing all the old Testament stories like Noah and Jonah and all that kind of stuff. Um, I remember that, you know, there was a picture of Jesus on the wall. And so I'm sure that they, taught about Jesus, but I don't necessarily remember any of the life application pieces of it um, other than, you know, do the right thing. You know, God expects you to be good, that kind of thing. So I grew up with the understanding of God that he wants me to be good and I need to behave kind of thing. Um, As I got older, I really didn't have much time for church. I didn't have a connection to it. Uh, it was very boring. And I really didn't have a lot of friends. 
in mm. the church. There were a few, um, you know, because we had grown up together or whatever. But um, there, there just really wasn't much of a reason for me to be there, as far as I I could tell. You know, so you thought, yeah, yeah. Um, I was involved in sports and band, and you know, all kinds of stuff with school, and so I just was more interested in doing other things than being at church. And so by the time I was in high school, I don't I don't know that we were really going to church too much. You know, we were busy doing other things. And then um my dad was teaching a karate class at the time and met a woman and her children and her son um had pretty severe dyslexia. So um, she ended up coming over to our house and um, spending time there with her son so that he could have some extra instruction and, and whatever. And she's actually the person that shared the gospel with me. Oh, yeah. Um, so she was a survivor of years and years and years of um, physical and sexual abuse. And I knew at that point, I was about 17, and I knew at that point of some of the abuse, obviously mm-hmm. she wasn't going to share all of it, but um, she would tell me about this Jesus that she loved. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, okay. But um, you know, and, and she would talk about him very like a close friend, you know, somebody that she genuinely knew that it wasn't just um, this person that she knew of, but that she genuinely knew him and she loved the Bible and, I mean, could quote scripture like it was – it just it just rolled off of her tongue. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I wish I was <clears throat> like that because <laughs> I can't do that. But uh, it was just amazing. And she, she knew that Jesus was her protector no matter what she was going through. She knew that, that he protected her through all of it. And – I think that's where it really started to hit me. Um, I was raped when I was 16. And so I think when she started sharing her abuse and her mm. surviving and this this Jesus, that this God that loved her so much that you know she could feel safe, even though she was going through all of these things, um, that really started to it made sense to me. It was like, oh, this isn't just you're going to get struck by lightning if you don't do the right thing. Just as you said about how God uh, lined up the Holy Spirit teaching for you, can you see it back then that oh, absolutely, he lined up that lady that went through what you went through? Absolutely. Just for you. Yep. Even though you went through that pain and, and whatever, that's just showing like Jesus wants to take that pain. Yeah. He. He didn't cause you that pain. No. But he's still going to protect it and heal you. And he's always there. And so it's interesting because um, I've, I've kind of been walking through a season of introspection or um, spiritual growth. And I'm, I've come back to that now, that those conversations with her that she would describe um, – this meadow and her safe place in, in her heart and where she would go um, to meet Jesus was this meadow. And so she would describe being there and just sitting with him and he would just hold her. Wow. Um, And I always dreamed of that place, but it was always from the outside looking in like that was never I was never the one being held, even though I've been a believer since I was 17. I accepted Christ when I was 17, but um, I never had that kind of, I guess, trust, maybe. Mm. Yeah. Um, And so recently, uh, I was blessed to sit down and have um, some prayer counseling, and we walked through some things, and one of the big realizations for me was that I was always standing on the outside looking in and it wasn't because 
Jesus didn't want to meet me there. It was that I wouldn't allow him to, that I was still trying to do it all on my own. And I was trying to get through the meadow. I was trying to to work my way through that meadow and get to him. But he was just asking me to let him come to me. And I can see it in so many areas of my life. He's always come to me. Mm, yeah. I've I've never been able to be the one to go to him and to, you know, get there. Like he's always come to me if I would just let him. So uh, it was really interesting because in that, you know, when she shared the gospel, when she started coming to our house, he came to me. When, you know, we walked in here, like I didn't initiate coming in here. My dad did because he heard the radio, you know, like there's so many ways that the Lord initiates and draws us in Yeah, if we would just let him. Yeah, and we can get in the way of oh all my gosh. that. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. 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 Is, there, is there a Bible verse that really speaks to you about that? You're um, reading my mind, Caleb. <laughs> I think yeah. it's... I think it's first John something. I'll see if I can find it, but it's the one that talks about perfect love casts out all fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so there's so many areas that what is it? I fear and um, so many situations that I fear that, you know, I get all wrapped up in my own head and, and, I can see the world crumbling around me. Yeah. But God is love. God's not going to let it. He's never let it crumble. Like I can literally look at much worse situations <clears throat> than what I'm in right now. And it, it didn't crumble then. Why would it crumble now? He always holds it up. He always is the firm foundation. Um, Psalm 91 is a great one too, where, um, you know, he, he takes you under his wing and he's protecting you. Um, it's just, it's so interesting because my natural thought process is so contradictory to his truth. And if we're not in his truth, if we're not in his word constantly, yeah, his voice gets drowned out. And that's, that's where I start to get like, conflicted and you know or like you said like you doubt so you think you hear god speaking something to you and you're like well no that's probably not god like maybe i'm in my own head or whatever (laughs) yeah and that that comes i guess with more of a mature in me and being more in the word more in prayer yeah i think a lot of it not only is being in the word but also learning that prayer time with Christ is really that fellowship, building that relationship. Yeah. I can read the word every day, but if I'm not talking to God with it, of course I might, you know, I'm I'm just learning that. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. that's where I was going to ask, like, uh, how do you spend time with the Lord? What's, what's spending time with the Lord look like to you? Um, well, I guess it varies. <clears throat> so lately I feel like I've just been checking off the box. <laughs> Um, as we all get there. Yeah. And so I think that's part of, you know, kind of why I've been struggling so much because it was just, um, you know, I'd sit down and I'd read my, my one year. I love the one year, by the way. Um, so you follow, we, we read it too. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, which I, I actually started not with the one year, it was a different daily Bible, but, um, that was really the turning point in my faith. It was at our old church. Um, and then, I mean, I can't, it's not that all, everything about the old church was bad. I grew so much in that church. Yeah. Um, but the first time that I ever read through the Bible was through, with a daily Bible and yeah. it completely changed my life. So, you know, I know that I need to be in the word and I, I want to be in the word, but then it, it becomes. You, you what? You what? I want. <laughs> yeah. You want. I want to be yeah. in the word. You're not forced. No. You're not. Oh, I have to do this. It's you want your willingness. You want to be in the word. You right. want that. Right. And some of that conflict comes because, you know, part of me is I know I need to be in the word because I know 
how it encourages me and how it builds me up and how it strengthens my faith and shows me who God is and, you know, why he lets us walk through things. And it, like, I mean, there's so much, but, um, you know, so part of me is like, no, I, I need to be there. And so it, like in the gajillion things that we do in a day, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I, I got to be there. I got to be there. And then it doesn't happen. And then I'm like, oh, wow, you know, you failed today. Yeah. And so then I start to beat myself up over it. But the the I do genuinely want to be there because I know that time with the Lord is precious. Yeah. And yet I allow it, you know, to not be there. So it it is. I mean, it's I'm never gonna be perfect at it. I'm never gonna be perfect at anything, quite frankly. But um Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where it's it's a conflict between checking off the box and striving to to do the right thing and then just resting in grace. And, you know, yes, I genuinely want to be there. It didn't happen today or maybe it did, but like just yeah. resting in God's grace in all of it. And with all that, being in the Word, uh, you know, spending your time in prayer, Obviously, that's the key to keeping your balance as a wife, a mother, and being uh, the director here at the church. Yeah. So on top of the word and praying, how do you balance all those things in your life, being a wife, a mother, a servant in the church? Um, God. <laughs> I I don't I don't know that I do a real good job of balancing to be honest. Okay. Um but God works it out. Mm-hmm. So, um you know, if there's a project going on in kids ministry, I I tend to overwork and you know, devote too much time okay. on those things. If there's a project, you know, my daughter's working on, I tend to kind of get tunnel vision and I focus on that. So, um and and maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, right. Like, I, I don't know, but uh, but in the end, God works it out. Yeah, uh, and I think I'm learning to find kind of a a core group of godly women that I trust. Yeah, that I know will speak wisdom and discernment into my life, and be real and honest and and open about things you know it's it's so easy to be like oh hey how are you oh i'm good and then just move on breaking bread with them sharing wise words encouragement that's important yeah yeah and really you know praying for one another yeah it's something that i'm learning to do with my with my friends it it sort of feels a little unnatural because we don't i mean like our church does where, you know, you, you talk about having an issue or, you know, you're going through something and we're like, oh, let me pray for you. And you, you stop and you pray for them right yeah, there. Yeah. But outside of these walls, it's scary. It definitely is. <laughs> that is times. a, yeah, that is a scary um, thing to do sometimes. And so I'm learning to just step into it and just embrace it. And so, you know, just say to my friends that, we, I mean, one of my friends, we've been friends since preschool and uh i finally the other day i was like can i just pray for you she was like oh my gosh yeah like uh, relieved almost that i I, like i finally asked her if i could pray for and i've been praying for her for years but not with her and so um it's just interesting because that interaction of personal face-to-face prayer with someone else is very different than just, oh, I'll pray for you. Yeah, because we can say we want to pray for them, and we, I tend to, I don't always. It's powerful to pray with somebody there, and I, I know we live in a day where cell phones are very abundant. Today I was at the dentist. And really, since I came to Christ, I'm not, I could care less about my phone. I mean, there's times like I want my phone, but 
being in the church has forced me to have that relationship with people, yeah. to talk with them more and more without mm -hmm. drugs and alcohol, because that's about the only time I would talk to people. Yeah. But there's a beautiful thing about conversating one-on-one -on -one with people or a group of people. And I was sitting in the dentist's office, and you got two families, and every single person's on their phone. Yeah. They're not even... They're just zoned out on the phone and that's what we're lacking today oh yeah with with our youth with adults with everybody our socialized became an internet a fake figure this invisible thing that can make my text go to your phone or your phone or this message versus physically talking to one another and that's powerful let alone imagine bringing prayer in it right. and that's what unifies you to grow closer to somebody i i was told you know the people that rub you the wrong way or the people that you necessarily don't get along with pray for them people and guess what see the love that you that god starts to put in you for them yeah. and it and it's an incredible thing i didn't believe it until i put it into practice and it was tough yeah pray for this person he may you can name he, me Austin. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Caleb. When I first met Caleb, I was like, he don't like me. So, no. But it just shows you know, that, that's powerful. Yeah, and it, it allows the spirit to move in a very different way. Yeah. Um, I mean, God's going to move. Yeah. Like, n no doubt. When he's ready to move, he's going to move. But mm -hmm. um, when we're connected, there was studies done in... 2019 um about this generation x i think it is i don't know um generation x being the most um lonely yeah and yet the most connected i say that with quotey fingers yeah um I... <laughs> for those that can't see me um because we're on our devices so much we're you know we're technically connected to people but we're we're not connected at all and so the these generations that are coming up are so lonely yeah and that was even pre-covid i mean now looking at covid i mean some of our kids still are wearing masks and we can't see their faces like you can't see a beautiful smile or a kid joyful and and when we look at toddlers toddlers learn well infants especially learn by image expression mm. um so they learn about emotion and tone of voice and all of these different things by your expression so if they can't see your face that's not only going to cause developmental delays but it's going to cause emotional de delays yeah. and, and issues later on so um it's it's just a crazy world that we're walking into and we we need we need to connect. And with the phones that we have, I can personally testify that it has made my impulsiveness and my patience very little. Yeah. I, I had very little patience when I got c coming to Christ. And I'm like, man, I got to learn to wait on God. And I'm so used to wanting things now, 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 and always being told, no, you got to wait. No, you got to wait. You're not ready. I'm like, what do you mean I'm not ready? I want to do it now. No, you're not yeah. ready. Jesse and I just had this conversation yesterday. She's like, you know, being my mom, you must have to have a lot of patience. <laughs> I was like, mm. what? And she's like, well, I'm not the best kid. And I'm like, well, you're not the worst kid either. But. <laughs> um, you got a good kid there. I Yes. And. I almost feel that she was kind of fishing for a compliment, but oh, okay. <laughs> but regardless, yeah. um, you know, it it brought up an interesting conversation. And so I said to her, I was like, you know, God has been bringing me through time after time after time of needing to learn patience. Um, and that, that saying of patience is a virtue, it, I used to always say, well, it's one that I don't have. Yeah. But it's it's one that is really valuable and and so God, I mean, so like, look at the ways that God moves in our lives and he's never in a hurry. He yeah. never rushes it. And so it's interesting because not just in parenthood, but in so many areas of my spiritual walk, it has been that patience, you know, wait on me. Wait on me. Yeah. So we're running out of time. But I got a few questions I really want to hit. Sure. Uh, one of them is 
the Bible says, submit to your husband. How does that look like? That's a tough one because my husband is so supportive. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's also something I've really had to learn. I'm I'm a very strong-willed, yeah. independent person, and um, I attribute that to my parents. They've blessed me with so many opportunities as a kid and um, really just sort of nurtured that in me. But, um, you know, my husband is just this really easygoing guy who just loves to see me do what I want to do. Um, and so over the years, as I've kind of started to lean into this, submit to your husband, yeah. um, I've started asking him more. Okay. So it's not just, can I do this or can we buy this or, you know, like not asking permission. It's, Hey, what do you think about this? Um, asking him to speak wisdom into it yes. versus just you know, sure, do whatever you do, whatever you want to do. And so then that also helps to build conversation. It's not, you know, not just a yes or no. It's what do you think about this? Or do you think this would be a good idea? Um, What are the pros and cons of it? So like rewording my questions so that I can sort of draw out his wisdom. Okay. How how did you meet your your husband? Uh, He was my boss when I worked at Hershey Park. Oh, <laughs> oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. How did how did that all play out? Uh, that's what a... section were you in? I um, mean, if you can talk about it. Yeah, so we worked security. He was the third shift supervisor, and um, I was uh, I don't remember what my title was, but I was like a shift supervisor. He was a full timer. I was like a part timer, but um. I ended up working a really long shift one day. Um, I'd started at eight in the morning and it was like 10 o'clock at night. And he came in and his, the two guys that he had scheduled to work for him couldn't come in that night. And so he was supposed to have this whole crew of people to do what they needed to do overnight. And he came in and he was kind of panicked because he didn't have any crew. And I was like, oh, well, I can stay. I was 20 years old. I had no life other than working anyway so working in college so um I was like well you know I can stay and he's like well I don't know you know I I have to get get permission because by then I'd be working a triple and he got permission I stuck around and we just really hit it off like we really hadn't had an opportunity to converse too much because I didn't work overnight until that point um but we just really hit it off and just ended up, you know, just sort of walking because I didn't know what how to do the job. So he had to pretty much walk me around and show me each piece of the job of like places to check and doors to lock and different things. And so, um, yeah. Boom. Holy Spirit. Again, yeah. Calvary Radio and a spouse. <laughs> yeah. That timing. So uh, is is there anything the Lord is speaking to you lately that you would if anything to share? Like what, what's God been speaking to you lately that just to trust him, just to trust. Yeah. Um, to let him very specifically to let him love me. Um, what that looks like exactly. I'm not totally sure at the moment. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but you know, like to just submit to just, let go of trying to strive to earn it and mm. be worthy um just to trust that he he really does love me and that his grace truly is sufficient um you know it's in this world of needing to be good enough and um, yeah. you know constantly i mean i'm, I'm constantly thinking oh well that person like you said like Caleb doesn't like you like (laughs) I'm constantly thinking about people's perception and you know oh well they must be judging me about this or that um and I just I need to let it go yeah and I just need to let him love me awesome Susan what what would you say to someone who's been through um the abuse that that you shared uh, being raped, what are words of encouragement you would give to, to a victim? Um, 
even though you feel like he wasn't, God was there with you. He loves you. And he wants to heal you from it. Find a godly woman that will help you through it. Mm. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I'm sure it was tough, but God is greater. Amen. So before we close, how would you encourage married women or single women out there that is a mother and they might have lost hope or whatever? I mean, I have no idea what I was trying to ask there. But, uh, <laughs> no, but I, I think I get it. Um, motherhood is hard. Yeah. Being a wife can be hard. Um, sometimes we... As women, we tend to lose ourselves in the everyday. Okay. And, you know, taking the kids to soccer, taking, you know, doing this, doing that, the 15th load of laundry this week or, you know, the 100th load of dishes or whatever it is. And and sometimes we feel so, um, or at least I do, feel so lost in the everyday tasks Um. And then, you know, people talk about our, our greatest uh, our greatest mission field is our family and our kids. And sometimes when I hear that, I just feel so overwhelmed. Like, yeah, I'm failing at this. Like, I'm truly terrible at this. Be, and not every day, but some days, you know, you just you feel so defeated because you didn't get anything done. And, um, you know, it it really feels like. You're, you're doing the worst job ever, um, which you're not, but <laughs> um, it can feel really overwhelming to think that in that mess of a day, mm-hmm. that that's your mission field. <laughs> um, and so I would just encourage moms and wives that God's got it, no matter what Amen. the mess is, that you're struggling through or you think you're not doing enough, God's got it. Amen. It is always enough because he's going to fill in the gaps. He's going to take over. It's it's not our job to save our children. It's not mm-hmm. our job to do every single thing. But it is our job to just be there and to do what we can when we can do it. And to help our kids to do what they can do when they can do it. Help our husbands, support our husbands. But it's not ours to do in its entirety. Let God, let God love you. Let let God complete it. Amen. Thanks for sharing, Susan. Thanks for coming out. Thanks Uh, for having me. Caleb, you want to close us? Yeah, absolutely. I'll pray us out. Uh, Lord, thank you. Uh, for just this time that we can have, Lord, uh, just to have Susan. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, you'd bless her, bless her family, Lord, bless their um, just their farming endeavors, and as they just mm-hmm. love on people and serve people and serve in the church, Lord, just bless them abundantly, Lord. And um, I thank you for um, just getting to see uh, part of her life and seeing how you just arrange things at the right mm-hmm. timing that. Um, her relationship with her husband, uh, finding Calvary Chapel through the the radio station, um, coming to know you, Lord. I, I thank you for that, that you work um, in your timing, in your way, Lord. And uh, just the reminder that you, um, you really love us mm-hmm. and to just uh, let down our guard and, and let you come and yeah. to embrace us and, and to love us, that we would just be uh, yours and just allow that to happen. Help us do that, Lord. And um, I just pray for those listening that they would feel uplifted and encouraged, um, not condemned or set to the side, but they would just um, they would just get the right, um, they get you, Lord. I just pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.